you find yourself having to choose between, okay, do I take this position where I can be of service and help, but I can't really eat because I have this debt? Or do I go to this firm where I'm making all this money, but my clients, they're not my purposeful clients. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast, where we chase purpose, not money. I'm your host, Patrice Washington, and I am so excited to welcome you back for another stellar episode. Today, I sit down with Toya Gavin. We talk about how a dream job to the outside world actually led her down a path of burnout and then depression. Her inside world was in turmoil, and I know that that happens to so many of us who consider ourselves to be purpose chasers. I love this conversation because Toya and I talk about why we get into this habit of making decisions from either or. You know what I'm talking about. The truth is some things should have an and, and we're going to get into that today. Now, before we do, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And if you're a purpose chaser who's been rocking with me for some time, then make sure you rate and review the podcast. Even if you did it a long time ago, I know there's something new in your spirit that you want to share, and it really, really does help. Now, let's get into our affirmation of the week. You know, you got to speak positivity into your life. You gotta affirm positivity. You gotta affirm abundance. You gotta affirm yourself to wealth. This week's affirmation is I am exactly where I belong in this moment. Every experience I've encountered has led me to this moment. And I am grateful for what this current space and place has come to teach me about life, about others, and most importantly, about myself. No experience, relationship, or position in my life was a waste, but rather an opportunity for purpose to continue to unfold before my eyes. No matter how uncomfortable or how unproductive things may feel today, I choose to see them as simply preparation for my tomorrow. So with that being said, I declare, I am exactly where I belong in this moment. Today's guest is Toya Gavin. Toya is an attorney, legal consultant, and founder of Legally Bold, an online coaching and consulting agency where she liberates and helps women in law find a better job so they never have to feel overworked, underpaid, or unhappy again. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Toya Gavin. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Toya. Hi, Patrice. Hey. (laughs) Hey. I am looking forward to this conversation, and I understand that we know some folks in common, so I have to just start out by giving a shout out to Natalie McNeil, who is a friend of this podcast. I think her episode was Your Life is Speaking to You. So definitely check that out. She is dope. And also to one of my P2P alum. And also she was in Mastery and Momentum. Shout out to Tawana. She's also my birthday twin. I don't know. Oh, really? No, I didn't know. (laughs) We, We are also birthday twins. So I have to thank 
her for actually connecting us. I was really moved when I read a little bit about your story. So your background was as a practicing lawyer, right? right. So you, so Toya, you had made it as far as, you know, <laughs> as, 99%. As far as people know. Right, 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 right. Society was concerned you had made it. Right. Life had some other, some, some other things for you. So tell us a little bit about your journey to who we know you as today. Hi, everybody. In school, I was always very smart in multiple subjects and all that, but I always wanted to go to law school. And I went, I think a lot of people go with the intention of helping people, of furthering justice, all of those things. And when you get into the actual career, so there's the theory of the law and what you think it's going to be. And then there's the career of the law. And the career of the law There's a lot of issues there. There are a lot of issues. There's pressure. There is the workload. You think you're going to be like in court slaying it all the time. A lot of the work is quite tedious. The hours, they talk about lawyers making so much money and there is money to be made in the field. But for Black women and for women in general, we don't make as much as people promote So I think the last time I looked up the statistic, I'm from New Jersey originally, like the median salary for a black lawyer was like $60,000, right? Yes. And you'd be surprised because I know. I Okay, y'all have to see my face. Let me just stop right there. I have had clients who are attorneys, you know, who talk about multiple six figures of debt. Mm-hmm. To become an attorney. Absolutely. You can't tell me that there are attorneys out there anywhere that are not earning six figures. That doesn't even register. That's not what is promoted. That's not what's promoted because, you know, the law uh, field in and of itself, unfortunately, is very pedigree oriented. And so there's a lot of talk, even in law school, about being the top 10%, the top 10% of your class. What law school did you go to? There's a lot of conversation about rankings. Where does your law school rank? Like if you're a doctor, you're a doctor. No one asks you, is your law, is your ranking, (laughs) is your school number 10 or number 20? They're like, can you help me? Thank you. Right. In the law field, you can't even get into certain firms if you didn't go to the right school. Right. And so with that, if they're talking about the top 10% of the class, That leaves the other 90%, which is the majority of the people, right? The other 90% of the class, what's happening with y'all, right? There's all this shame around that and no one is talking about that. And then when you think about the justice aspect, which is why I went to law school as a, a Black woman, I think a lot of people of color, immigrants, a lot of marginalized people go with the help of creating and helping and promoting justice. And what you realize is, you find yourself having to choose between, okay, do I take this position where I can be of service and help, but I can't really eat because I have this debt? Do Mm. I take this position? You know, how much do I give of myself? Or do I go to this firm where I'm making all this money, but my clients, they're not my purposeful clients. They're not the people who feed my soul. I think a lot of lawyers find themselves in that place. And I was there. And so I was a prosecutor for a number of years and loved the work, loved doing justice. But I was like, okay, 
a lot of it was heavy. I did a lot of stuff in the domestic violence field, a lot of assault. It was very, very heavy. And I just wanted to do something that where I could help people who were on the upswing of life, who were like joyous and all that. So um, I started a practice doing small business law. I loved it, loved it and thought like, this is it. And then all of a sudden, because I took that same work ethic that had carried my whole life, carried me through my whole life into this business, I burned out and my brain and my body were like, no. (laughs) So Mm. we're on strike (laughs) and I can laugh about it now, but it was, it was not a good time. Well, Toya, and from what I read, it wasn't like, oh, I burned out and I needed a quick vacation. You're talking about 18 months. Yeah. What does experiencing burnout and I believe also major depression Mm -hmm. feel like when you when you also felt like I'm in purpose, like I'm doing what I feel purpose to do right now? How is this possible that I also feel this? One of the things that happens to you when you are depressed or in in burnout is that your executive functioning, so your ability to make decisions, to understand what's going on, it becomes, it's off. So you're very confused. So in that space, I felt very confused. I was like, if I love this, like what's happening to me? And I think as a lot of people do, I had never gotten um, therapy before then, really. So I think I had suffered with bouts of depression prior to that, but just didn't know that's what I was going through, right? Because I'm used to just pushing through, right? Like I'll figure this out, just keep going, just keep going. And so I just was like, why can't I push through this? And when you're in that space, the thoughts, it's like your thoughts are, are, are attacking you. And so you can't believe them almost because you're just thinking like, I should be able to figure this out. I should be able to do that. I love this. Why am I not getting out of bed? Why am I not doing what I said I was going to do? You know, all of those thoughts start to creep in. And it's, it's a really, really tough place. I often say it's like living your life underwater. Think about how much effort it takes just to walk underwater. When you're depressed, everything feels like that. It feels like Okay, so getting out of bed means I got to walk across this Olympic sized pool. So let me try to do this. And that's why you're tired. That's all I could do today. (laughs) That's it. I remember talking to a girlfriend who experiences depression from time to time. And she says, sometimes, friend, just taking a shower is the win. Mm -hmm. That is the win. Yeah. Like the fact that I got up, recognized that I hadn't showered in days and that I got in the shower and I now smell better is literally the win for the day. That's, yeah. And and you have to be okay with that. Right. And then there's the spiraling thoughts of, because the outside world, it looks like you're being lazy or you would judge it as being lazy. If you went out for the day and you know, someone in your house, your kid or something, all they did was shower all day. You're like, What's, get up and clean this house or whatever. Right. But It's not like that. It's literally a battle with yourself. So there's so much work going on internally that all of your energy is focused there. So externally, what you're able to do is very, very limited. Wow. Mm -hmm. Like you said, to the outside world, it may look like you're being lazy, but also to the outside world, do people know how to even 
respond or support? Like, do they even know what to say, especially when they think you should be grateful? Mm -hmm. You are an attorney. Mm -hmm. You have this prominent position. What do you mean? Fill in the blank, right? Like, even that. And I think sometimes from well-meaning friends and family members that think they're like reminding you to be grateful. And it's like, this right. is not a, a, a conversation about gratitude, right? Right, right, right. I think even for myself, even though I was going through this in the sort of early stages of it, I didn't even recognize it for what it was. What happened is that one of my best friends who I talk with often At the time, she was working at an organization that dealt with disabilities and depression, all these issues, and they had just had a training, right? And I've been talking to her regularly, but I was literally like getting up early every day just to give myself time to cry for about an hour and then trying to, like, I was just managing around it, right? And so one day I was just, I couldn't stop and I called her and she was like, So I think you're, this is what's happening for you. And I'm going to come and help you. And we're going to like work through this. But had it not been for her, I'm not sure when I would have realized it. And I think you're right in that people don't know the signs, don't know what to say. But as our culture becomes more accustomed to these ideas of mental health, of self-care, I think we are recognizing like there are probably times in all of our lives where we have experienced some form of depression and anxiety as adults. And we just push through it, not realizing that, oh, we could have had help and support in those areas of our lives. And so I think that conversation is changing. It's still a tough one. Yeah, I I definitely agree. And I know that you're an attorney, but, you know, earlier you mentioned, you know, this idea of, do I take a position of purpose or do I eat? Right. Like Mm -hmm. just kind of, I just want to backtrack for a second because yes, as an attorney, that's a very stressful career path, but we see this in every like career path, right? Mm -hmm. Like no matter who you are and what you do. Again, even if you feel like, man, I am doing something that absolutely lights me up. I am in purpose. I know that this is the thing I've been called to do, all the things. You still have to be aware that burnout is a possibility. Mm-hmm. And one of my clients, Dr. PBJ, also I just heard her about, episode. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. It was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dr. PBJ talks about compassion fatigue mm-hmm. and how even for people, you know, who are just doing work like you said, I just want to help. Mm -hmm. I want to help the people. I want to make sure that folks are taken care of. And I want to, and then that can go so far and get so deep that you maybe helping them is not helping you at the same time. When you look back over your journey, do you know of when it switched? Like when you went from like, Ooh, I'm in my flow. I'm doing my thing. I love small business, you know, law to getting to this place of where I have burnt out. I've done too much. What was happening? I think back on the year when things were going on, it was like I was very early on in my business. um, And um, it was probably like it was the first year. And a lot of things were going well. Like I had replaced my salary in four months. I had like I had like I was like, oh, this is great. But also there were a lot of personal things that I was ignoring. Right. 
Um, so I had my, my grandfather died. Um, like, you know, just identity, somebody stole my identity. I had a car accident, you know, like it was all of these things. My relationship at the time was, it was a very toxic place and how I felt about myself. Like if I think about how I actually felt about myself at the time, um, I wasn't present to my worth, right? I was, my worth was tied up in egoic things and what I could accomplish, what I could do for people. And if I sat down for too long and thought, really thought about how I felt about myself, I would have had a problem, right? And so I think when I started my practice, I was able to stop focusing on those cases where people, I felt like their need was greater than mine, right? Because they were in a a, a rougher place, but that's not where I was. And so I couldn't hide in, you know, the issues of other people. My issues were like, we've been here. I've been talking to you. Yeah, but (laughs) you know what? I think that sometimes that is rooted in how we're brought up because mm-hmm. I remember being told, well, you don't have it as bad as so-and-so mm-hmm. and so, because I wasn't being physically abused. I didn't realize that what I was experiencing was verbal and emotional abuse. Yep. Right. Because I love my abusers, mm-hmm. you know, family. Right. So because I wasn't getting marks on my back, like Penny on good times, mm-hmm. I was like, well, I should be grateful. I should right. be grateful. And that just teaches you to sweep things under the rug, sweep it under the rug. And yet life is happening and life just keeps being life and it keeps like compounding things. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I have a confession to make. My relationship with looking good is so complicated. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I like high quality clothes. I just don't like going shopping and I definitely don't always want to pay high quality prices, if you know what I'm saying. Plus, I don't always want to wear the same stuff over and over again. So I was super excited when I found out about the clothing rental membership armoire because they are making getting dressed stylish, but super easy. When I signed up, I took a five minute style quiz and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my lifestyle. I'm filming in a few weeks and I literally just got the cutest blazers delivered to my door in as little as two days. And when I'm ready for new clothes, I can just swap them out for more new to me styles. So whether you're planning your outfit for a date night, packing for a conference or in need of a gown for some black tie event, you will be the best dressed person in the room and you won't have to feel bad for only wearing something once. Now, What I also love is that Armoire is woman-founded and women-led. They even spotlight women-owned designers on their website. So I know I'm wearing brands that are aligned with my values. I love that I can support a business that's built by women like me. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, you might want to try Armoire. I promise you will never be without the perfect outfit for any occasion ever again. And right now, Redefining Wealth listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash wealth. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash wealth to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Some Somewhere along the line, culturally, I think we've conflated like 
gratitude with less trauma and like those are or a different type of trauma. And those are not the same thing. <laughs> right. And so just because you're not being like, I should be grateful that I'm not getting beat. Yes. And not or and I shouldn't be emotionally abused either. I should, you know, have the fullness, be able to express the fullness of myself in the society too, right? But somewhere along those lines, those things get conflated. Well, that's also mm-hmm. the reason that people stay in careers and jobs they hate forever. Absolutely. Because it's like, well, I should be grateful I have a job. Okay, but you also deserve to be fulfilled. Right. Like, you also you know, should be able to do work that you actually love with right. people that you like, right? And not be in these workspaces that are not created to take care of you or mm-hmm. care about you, right? Like you also deserve to be in a healthy place, even in your work environment. A- absolutely. Absolutely. I think just to update the listener, so I, I, I'm no longer running the practice. I've transitioned into the, a coaching business and we can talk more about that. But that's one of the things that I discuss mainly with my clients. I meet so many lawyers, so many women of color who are in that place. They are not fulfilled. They keep going to work every day because the the trappings of the ego are definitely there. Maybe they're making the salary or they're taking care of whoever and all that, but they hate it. And it feels very, you feel very stuck because you're like, okay, well, how how am I going to figure out? It's an either or proposition. And I think what we need to do then is to open up the possibilities. It's more than just either or. There are a lot of things between a job you hate and being homeless, right? Which is where most people go in their mind, right? It's like, if I don't keep this job, where's my son gonna go? We gonna lose a house. I'm not gonna be able to, I'm not gonna have any food. I was like, there's like, there are so many options between there and there. Yeah. Let's 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 kind of have a little bit of a a different mindset around it. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny that you mentioned that because in my business we talk about writing the worst case scenario because I'm like sometimes you need to write out all this doom and gloom you have predicted for your circumstances mm-hmm. and read it back to yourself and ask yourself how likely that is. Right. So I've had clients do that and it's like if I don't keep this I'm going to be homeless. So you don't have no family or friends. Like you don't, <laughs> right. so no. Look, and I've been I've been the person who slept on my brother's couch. Okay? Right. So you're talking to somebody who had to, you know, move in with mm-hmm. someone else with my child and mm-hmm. for 3 months at the time. It's like let, let's talk about possibility in in between all of this. We're going to talk more about how your journey has evolved uh right mm-hmm. after this break. Okay. You know, oftentimes there is so much possibility between our choices, right? Between the options that we have. But for some reason, we do have a tendency to lean into these worst case scenarios. Now, I don't know about you, but I know early in my career, when I was working at a nonprofit in the financial education space, many of you know my story, right? I went from losing everything in the recession, going from a seven-figure business to literally scraping up change. And a part of my rebounds or rebuilding came when I got, for me, the offer of a lifetime, which was to work as a financial management consultant in a local nonprofit here in Atlanta. And so 
it was definitely a dream because it was fulfilling what I wanted to do, which was help people with personal finance. The problem was, as time went on, I realized just how overworked and burnt out I was. The struggle to meet the demands of counseling so many people one-on-one and driving all over greater Atlanta. And if you're from Atlanta, you know what I'm saying, right? From Lawrenceville to Marietta, all over South Fulton and all of the different counties, I was overworked and overwhelmed. And so although I loved the people I was serving and I really loved speaking and, and the counseling and doing the work, I was breaking down, I think physically and mentally. And at the time, I was so overworked that spiritually, I'm sure I wasn't in a great place. But I kept thinking, well, if you leave, the only next step is homelessness, <laughs> right? Because that's what we do. We go straight to like the worst case scenario. And on top of that, I was in this space where I just kept thinking, well, I should be grateful. I should be grateful. You know, two years ago, I was on welfare. Two years ago, I was getting food stamps. Like I I was coming home to eviction notices. So now that I'm here, even though I know my talent and my gifting and my calling is well beyond this particular place, I should be grateful. And because I stayed in that that place, not for long, but I was there of I should be grateful, I tolerated a lot of bad behavior. I tolerated not being treated the way that I know I should have been treated. Now, everyone was not bad. And so for those of you who work with me back in the day, (laughs) if you're actually still listening to the podcast, then you know I'm not talking about you. But there were some bad apples, right? And it made being in that space very difficult. And so I had to do this exercise that I consider now to be like right out the the worst thing that could happen because I had all of these thoughts and ideas swirling around my mind about what would happen if I left that job? What would happen if I would finally speak up? What would I? What would happen if I took a stand? And so in my mind, I always saw the worst case scenario and the worst possible thing. But when I finally wrote it down, you know, what if I didn't get another job like immediately after after leaving that job? Would things be strained? Yes, they would. Would my husband support me? Yes, he would. If it really got bad, could I go back and live on my brother's couch? Didn't want to, but I could definitely do it. Would I have to maybe get food stamps again? Yeah, didn't want to, but it was an option. And so when I started to write those things out, I realized really how unlikely a lot of it was. And even if I had to go to some of those extremes, I had lived through it before. So while it wasn't ideal, it wasn't the worst possible thing that could happen because I had survived it before. And writing out the worst case scenario or what's the worst that could happen really helped me take control of my thoughts so that I could address each one of those things and and have a real answer for it. I call it naming the noise, right? And when I look back, I'm so grateful that I didn't settle for either or. I'm so grateful that I found the and. And the and was that I could still do work in the personal finance space and I could still use my gift of speaking and I could still use my heart for wanting to help people and I could be well compensated and 
I could work with a team that I adore, which I do now. And I could work from home and not be in traffic all over Atlanta every single day. And I could get to pick my daughter up from school on time. And I could make it to all of her activities without having to ask someone else if it was okay. Deciding to add the and changed my life. And I hope that if you're listening, you make a decision to name the noise, write out the worst case scenario and choose and and stop living in the land of either or. Toya, before the break, we were talking about the possibilities in between, right? And what you are now teaching women. So a lot of the women who come to you, if they're attorneys, they may be attorneys or just high earning women, right? Mm -hmm. Who Who feel trapped by the trappings of what success is supposed to look like. Tell us more about the types of folks you work with. Yeah. So, um, I help primarily women of color, what I say, find better jobs, right? And that better job might be, you know, in the same area where you're working, just like maybe in a new firm or a new company. It might be uh, for lawyers, they change practice areas. It might mean that. It might mean doing something completely, completely different, right? Because a lot of times I talk to women and because you have the challenge, the calling, they've been hearing that call and they've been ignoring it for so long. It's really about creating a container to say, like, we can figure this out, right? We can figure out how you can change your career in a way that feels safe and affirming and really purposeful for you. And that's what I've been doing for the past, like, two and a half years. And even that transition for me was an interesting interesting transition. Okay, Um, tell us about it. (laughs) Well... You know, being a lawyer full time, what I didn't realize is it's not just a career. It becomes a part of your identity. So it's again, it's that trapping of the ego. There's something to feeling like I'm introducing myself as a lawyer. Right. People. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so when you then say to other lawyers, I'm a coach. There's a lot of um, stories that I can create about how they're going to receive it. And just because lawyers, we tend to be very skeptical people in general, risk averse people in general, you know, people would say things to me like, how are you going to make money on that? That sounds great. Why would you do that? Like all those things. Right. And in our culture, even though the concept of coaching is becoming more popular and people understand it, there's still a lot of kind of like a stigma around coaching, particularly if you watch a sitcom and the person's a life coach, he he or she is usually the joke. And it's like, they don't understand that this is a profession. It is a skill that we do so much work and so much study. I have never studied, worked, learned, integrated more in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And that's coming from somebody with a law degree. (laughs) right right right. I totally Mm -hmm. I totally connect to what you're saying too I you know the audience knows I've been saying this for years my dad was like what are you doing like it would have felt better for my dad to be able to explain to his friends that I was an accountant because he could wrap his mind around Mm -hmm. that 
So sometimes, you know, I would even meet people out and about and they go, oh, you're, you're Henry's daughter. Like, oh yeah, you're the one that went to USC. Yeah. You're an accountant. I'm like, no, I don't know where, <laughs> why you think I'm an accountant. And I would say, oh no, you know, I'm an author. I'm a professional speaker. I'm a coach. And they would be like, oh, like, oh that's what you did with your life, girl. And you literally happened. It, it happened up until like a couple of years ago, right? Mm. Where they just could not wrap their mind around it. And that's where we have to start to your point, like getting into affirming and validating ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like what feels right in my spirit? What gives me joy? What mm-hmm. lights me up? Because if it's a, it's, if it's going to be based on me waiting for the reaction of someone else to be like, oh, that may not be the thing. You don't, you don't have to understand what I do. You don't have to understand why I do it. As long as I know that I'm doing what I feel called to do and I'm committed to that call for my life. And I actually see the benefit and the results that it produces for the people who do get it. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to convince everyone of what I do. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And I think like, being in the personal development industry, I always say it's a gift and a curse. I really say it's a pain in a, but I won't curse for y'all. But because in order to be in this industry, the gift is you get to help people in a really intimate way. You get to know people, you get to create spaces for them to be real and vulnerable. And it is a gift that someone would trust you like that. But the curse and putting that in quotes is that you also have to do your stuff, your internal stuff. Like you Baby, can't hide all day, all the time. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, do I have to deal with this belief today? And it's uh-huh. like, well, if you, you got this thing and if you want to do this thing, you got to go to your tools and it's just like, okay. And it is, that part is the challenging part. But it also is the gateway to you really being your authentic self. And I think that's what everybody wants. Yeah. You know, just to be able to be themselves all the time. What I love about what you do, too, is you're not trying to force everyone to become an entrepreneur. I cannot stand, (laughs) like, job shaming, right? Like, nine to five shaming when people are like, oh, if you got a nine to five, you're building. Listen, I believe that most financial mismanagement is caused by lack of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. There are definitely people who are entrepreneurs who are completely unfulfilled, as we mm-hmm. know, I'm sure we've both mm-hmm. seen, because they might have the right gift or skill set, but they're using it in the wrong place mm-hmm. or they're using it with the wrong people and it's making them question the gift, mm-hmm. right? And they're miserable. Right. And they they could be better off really taking their gifts and using it inside of an organization that appreciates it and can allow it to flourish. And maybe they can still have like an entrepreneurial mindset, but also get their check. Right. Not, like we're not going to shame people for getting their check if it's in alignment with what they feel called to do. Right. Right. And I think that those organizations and businesses just like our business are there to make the lives of people better. Like if this is the, the whole point of this, this whole existence game is so that we can help each other and make each other's lives better. And if you're in an organization that is aligned with your purpose and you see that you could actually not only make the lives of the clients in that business better, but the lives of your fellow employees better, better by modeling how to have an entrepreneurial mindset in this position, 
by talking about what you see, by be willing to step up and say, like, this is an issue and addressing, you know, the mindset issues that come up at work. You're changing the lives of the people in that organization, too. It doesn't matter where you do it. Right. It's but just doing that's it. really, you know, what I want people to understand more than anything from the work that I do is that purpose doesn't require that you run your own business. So, you know, whenever I talk about chase purpose, people automatically assume, you know, well, let me quit my job. Yeah. They will tell you anyone who's been through purpose to platform folks come in talking about my goal is to quit my job in 12 weeks. I'd be like, Hey, 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 <laughs> Hey, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> right. There's a lot that has to happen between, you know, you starting this program today and you quitting your job. Like that's, that's not what we're advocating for here. What I'm advocating for is that you embrace your God-given gifts. Like mm-hmm. what I'm advocating for is that you stop looking to the left or the right and assuming that someone else's gifts are sexier than yours. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, because their gift is playing the piano or I don't care if it's underwater basket weaving, you're, you're like, Oh, mine is just strategy. Ma'am, strategy <laughs> is a big deal. If you can right. look, right, if you could look at someone's, you know, else's business or project or whatever it is, and from a bird's eye view, be able to connect the dots for them, that's a big deal. What do you mean? That's just what I do. That's that's nothing. And you can do that again in your business or in someone else's. The point is, how do you feel when you get to do it? Right. And, and then- are you making a living doing it? Exactly. Because entrepreneurship has taught me so many lessons, but just like what you're saying, like if you aren't willing to deal with your stuff as you're doing it, you it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough right? financially. And then that's when it's rough financially, that's when you're just like fight or flight and your mechanisms to kind of make you feel safe go into overdrive. And so you have to spend so much of your time and attention trying to just calm your nervous system, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you kind of have a plan and you start to put yourself in purposeful positions and think of yourself entrepreneurially, entrepreneurially if I could get that mm-hmm. word out, while at work, you can start to model some of the behaviors and practices that you want to have in your current role, right? Even before you move on to something else or whatever, in your current role, you can start to do it. I love that you said purposeful positions, mm-hmm. right? Because that speaks to intentionality. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I talk about with this concept of chase purpose, not money, is that I've been very intentional about putting myself in purposeful positions. So not the position that was going to give me the most money at that time, even though, Toya, let's be real. I was on my brother's couch. I needed the money. Like, mm-hmm. be clear. Mm-hmm. I needed the money. But I also, at the time, just felt like, if I take that is going to take me too far off the path of what I feel like I should be doing. Mm -hmm. So I took positions that paid less, but they taught me that I could monetize helping people with personal finance because Mm -hmm. here I am at a nonprofit that's doing it. That's giving this type of education, creating this curriculum. I was out speaking all over the city, um, you know, engaging people around this idea of how they could, shift their mindset towards finances. And it was like, okay, this is a thing. Mm -hmm. And there's folks exchanging money. They weren't giving it to me, but baby, they was exchanging money somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is a thing. 
I can do this. And sometimes I think we're so afraid to take that step that leads to a more purposeful position because in the right now, it doesn't feel profitable enough. Right. But baby, what I learned, what I was exposed to, the relationships that were built, just the awareness of what was possible, that served me so much more in the long run than had I taken that position that looked more profitable, but it wasn't in alignment with my purpose. And mm-hmm. I know, I guarantee you, I would have been miserable. Yeah. I think to, to your point, that's probably where most of most lawyers are. I think it's, there's, it's an astronomical percentage. I believe it's like 50, no, some 76% of lawyers are dissatisfied with their career, right? That's, it, it, there's an epidemic of depression, of substance abuse. There's all these things going on in the legal field that no one is talking about. And it's to your point, people are, are sacrificing their purpose for profit and feeling like, okay, I made this six figures. Um, if I take this job, I'm only going to be making X amount, even though it's aligned with my purpose and my future vision. Like now I don't have X amount of dollars. And I think what we can learn or what I hope we are learning as a culture is that um, the resource that isn't renewable is our time. Mm. Right. And so we're only here for a very specific amount of time. And if you want to have a fulfilling life, a joyful life, and you want to go after that purpose, you will find ways to support yourself and it will get easier and more money will come. You have to trust that. You have to trust in that the spirit isn't against you. It's for you. But you you are going to have to learn new skills if you are transitioning into something new. Right. And I think it's worth it. I think there's a reason why so many people that you see, they'll spend 30 years in a career or whatever. And as soon as they retire, they have a heart attack or something happens. You don't want that to be your life. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't want to spend 30 years somewhere not living a life for most of some dollars that are going to be, let's be real, taken away in taxes anyway, like you can figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) You can figure it it out. Yeah. You can figure it out. I think, Uh, I think mm -hmm. for many people, Toya, though, you hit it earlier. It's the money. And yes, it's the, especially if you've fallen into all the trappings of what you should quote unquote look like when you're successful. So you have over leveraged yourself with a home and a certain car, and you feel like you have to keep up certain appearances in social media because insert high paying profession, supposedly high paying profession, Mm -hmm. right? So it's not just the money and possibly the debt that is tying you to it. It's also, like you said earlier, it's the ego. Mm -hmm. It's the, if I don't say I'm an attorney, who am I? If I don't say I'm a lawyer, who am I? And I remember my husband went through that transition. He was in entertainment and he was the manager for a really well-known entertainer. And when that season was up, although my husband was still doing well in what he chose to do next, he, when people be like, oh, you know, how's it going on the TV set? Mm -hmm. I could see the the seconds that would go by Mm -hmm. as he had to process and accept like, okay, that's not my reality anymore. Mm -hmm. And that was not, it wasn't like, oh, he left one day and then the next day he had bounced back. No, I watched it for over a year 
where I could tell it would do a little something because his mm-hmm. identity was in being this person's manager and it was in doing the specific task and it was getting in the jet and going all over the country or all over the world. And then when it was like, I'm still making really great money, but I'm at the house. He's like, well, that doesn't sound exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but they excited at the bank. You worried about the wrong stuff. <laughs> you worried about the wrong stuff. No. But it's that connection. Mm-hmm. It's that connection. And when we can release that, mm-hmm. what what was possible for you when you allowed yourself, you know, to evolve into your next level of purpose, which is what you do today? You know what? Just going back to that question, I was thinking um, that people ask, I'll say, it would be great if we could evolve from an introductory question of like, what are you doing right now to like, who are you serving? Right? Yes. Wouldn't that be great? Like if that's- And what lights you up right now? And what lights you up right now Mm -hmm. instead of what do you do? Right? I think that would change a lot. But to your question, what opened up for me is this business, right? So- In this business, in the coaching business, and how I came to it is that when I was depressed, I didn't know, and I had to take time off. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen to me. Like, I don't know if I'm going to get a job. I took a sabbatical for that time. That was a big deal. I had had a job since I was 14, so I had never not worked. And it felt like my options were limited. And at the time, I was writing for a platform called Solo Practice University, And so I wrote a blog post, like, I might not work no more, (laughs) y'all. It might be over for me. And what happened with that is that I got so many lawyers contacting me who were struggling and who were like, thank you for writing that. Thank you for being honest. You know, can I talk to you? I'm going through this. I'm going through that. And after talking with them, I was like, you know, these are just some great people, man. Like, they're just good people who have good hearts. And I can figure out not only how to help them, but how to help myself with what I was already interested in, which is personal development, creativity, being entrepreneurial. I was already interested in that stuff. And so what opened up for me in that is my purpose. And it's really to use like my coaching and my advocacy skills to help talented people fully own their lives and earn their worth, right? And by opening up that purpose, I've been able to meet so many people. I met you, I met Natalie, I met Tawana. I've been able to create a life for myself that I can be proud of and that I'm happy about every day. Yeah. I I really love how you were able to, and I know it sounds cliche, but it's so true. You guys take a painful season in your life and make it purposeful, Mm -hmm. you know, because let's be real. Some people could not look for what that silver lining, if you will, could be, mm-hmm. or, you know, just by putting out the blog post, I, I call that taking the next best step and just allowing the path to be opened. Right. So mm-hmm. one thing happens, it leads you to a new thought. And then the next thought, a lot of people are so paralyzed by their experience that they never see what's possible on the other side because they just sit in it. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know, especially if you have you know, any mental health challenges that it's not as easy to just like, oh, keep it, like, keep it pushing. I'm not saying keep it pushing by any means, but I do always feel like with the proper support, there's an opportunity to try to fight to see a lesson, a blessing, a new path, a new possibility, even in the midst of what we're feeling or experiencing. So if we choose to see it as, well, this isn't happening to me, what if it's happening for me? 
and I just need to keep my eyes peeled for the possibility, you know, that what could be, what could be ahead, what can lie ahead. And so kudos to you for, um, you know, for, for using your experience to create such a wonderful platform. Toya, before I let you go, I have to ask you what we call here rapid wisdom questions at Redefining Wealth. So I'm going to ask you a few things and just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. I know you're a lawyer, but don't overthink it. I know deep down you're (laughs) a lawyer. I'll try. I'll try. (laughs) All right. How do you define success? Oh, success is living in your purpose. Come on. You better have it ready. Okay. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Freedom overflow and fun. Ooh, that overflow. I felt that in my spirit. I like that. Yes. Okay. What's one book that has helped you redefine wealth for yourself? So one book that's helped me is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, which is a book on creativity, but the passage or the, I don't know if it was a chapter or passage where she speaks about not letting fear drive the car, but recognizing like fear is in the car. They in this ride with you for your life. (laughs) it's never going away and self-doubt and they're all in there all the band of brothers they're all twin they're triplets (laughs) self-doubt lack of confidence what it's all they're in the car but you don't have to let them drive it right Mm -hmm. and you can still make it to the destination with them yes yeah I love that I love that okay this is the last one fill in the blank my name is and for me the truth about wealth is Mm. My name is Toya Gavin, and the truth about wealth is that it's not about money. It's about what you do with your time. Amen. Mm -hmm. I love that. Toya, thank you so much for being here. This has been such a great conversation. Uh, I hope you enjoyed your time, too. I did. It was a pleasure to talk with you. And to be with you, really, it's a great conversation. I love, this is why the personal development industry is the best. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) it is. It is. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Today's Ask Patrice Anything comes from Chelsea in Baltimore, Maryland. Thank you for the opportunity. My name is Chelsea. I was just, I have one simple question. What is the most practical way to chase purpose and not pay? If you could give an explanation of the most practical way, of a daily applicable way. Thank you. Have a good one. Chelsea, that is such a great question. What does it mean to chase purpose practically in your everyday life. For me, chasing purpose means that as I go throughout my day, I am looking to make decisions rooted in faith, not fear. So what I have come to understand is a lot of times we make choices just because of the financial impact. We don't give any consideration to what feels right in our soul, what feels good in our spirit, what's in alignment for what we say we want or who we say we want to be or become. And so what does it look like practically when you are going throughout your day and you are faced with a choice? Do you feed in to the fear, to the queasiness, to the anxiousness, or do you take a step back and go, is this in purpose? 
Like, is this what I actually should be doing? That's everything. That's when you're making a decision about whether you should pay for peace and bring support into your life or should you move across country or should you take that job that doesn't necessarily, you know, have the same benefits or the same title as the job you may have now or jobs you've had in the past, but it feels good in your soul. Chasing purpose means you literally are making decisions from a place of what is the bigger picture here? Or are you just looking and only looking at dollars and cents? And if it makes financial sense and it sounds logical, I'm going to go in that direction. But oftentimes, that's not always the most purposeful thing to do. And it's not the thing that you know you should be doing in your spirit. And it can come again from making really small choices, even, you know, do I get the lobster (laughs) because I want to create an experience for my family this weekend? Or do I keep getting frozen chicken nuggets because that's what I see in my bank account right now? I've made a lot of decisions in my life over and over again that didn't seem logical in the moment, but they taught me about what to expect, about how to treat myself, about how to teach other people how to treat me, about what I was really being led to do in the marketplace. And chasing purpose looks like it's not always going to be logical. Some things you just have to follow your spirit. And I believe that when you follow your spirit, you are more in line with purpose than you'll ever be. So I hope that helps, Chelsea. Thank you so much for the question. All right, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed your time here with us at Redefining Wealth. Make sure you pop on over into our free Facebook community, the Redefining Wealth community with Patrice Washington. Would love to have you. Let's talk about this episode. What were your takeaways? Also, feel free to tag me in social media, Seek Wisdom PCW. Let me know if this episode resonated with you. All right. Until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later.